Hello and welcome to the Top Tutor Podcast, where we share insider information from the world of elite tutoring to help your students get the best results both academically and in life. I'm your host, Nathaniel Dahlquist, the owner and head tutor at Grove Prep. I've been a tutor since I graduated from Yale in 2015 and focus primarily on standardized test prep and college admissions. Joining me is my co-host, Alexander Friedman. Alex has worked as a software engineer and a researcher before he founded Brooklyn Math Tutors in 2008. Since then, he has used his experience in math and computer science to hire some of the best STEM tutors in New York City. Hi, Alex. Hello. What are we going to talk about today? Today's going to be a very interesting topic because it's something we were discussing recently, and that is, what is it about certain tutors that makes them so much better than others? Why are some people the top tutors? Right? You can have hundreds of tutors, but you'll have like one or two tutors that just way better, I'm having air quotes for any of my listeners, than other people. And so much better that people are willing to pay not just a little bit more, not 20% more, but like two times more, three times more, five times more than for other people. What do you think it is? Wow, it's a really great question. And there are a couple of reasons, and we're going to talk about all of them. So I would say one of the primary reasons is that these tutors treat students like people, not like receptacles of knowledge. And what I mean by that is they don't say, all right, this kid needs to learn Algebra 1, let me get out my bucket that's full of Algebra 1 and pour it into their head. And I have worked with some of those folks where they're just like, let's see how much math I can shove into this kid's brain. And it's just not super engaging. The kid is not necessarily present for the lesson and they don't want to learn it. They don't understand why they need to learn it. They don't see the value in it. And they burn out pretty quickly. And I've also heard those kids say, yeah, I don't really like that person that much. And so that's kind of a primary reason. And so one of the things that's really important about this is that kids do need to learn certain things, right? There are certain topics that every kid is expected to know. And you can sort of find a list of those by looking at what the SAT and the ACT teach because they're expected for college, right? Things like algebra one, geometry, reading comprehension, vocabulary, and grammar, (laughs) grammatical structures, grammar. And so those specific topics do have some content knowledge. They have basic building blocks. They have rules that must be learned. But there are many different ways to teach those rules. And one of the most effective things that I've seen is tutors who are willing to have conversations with the students about the relative usefulness of whatever it is they're trying to learn. So, hey, tutor, why do I need to know the Pythagorean theorem? Well, to be totally honest, you really need it for this test. And it's just expected that you're going to memorize this. It's actually not that tough. Some a squared plus b squared equals c squared. And I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that you need it, you know, for your job or for, you know, 10 years down the line. You might if you're an architect, but... I have found that that level of honesty has been really helpful because then kids know you're not fooling them because they have very, they're very good lie detectors, those kids. Yeah, I think this taps into like a deeper difference between like the best tutors and like good enough and okay tutors because, you know, we've worked with a lot of tutors over the years. And as much as we do our best to hire only the best, most people are like, okay, or pretty good. But the best tutors, of course, they do their best to teach the material. But the students don't all learn the material as well. And it's not because of like their content knowledge. It's not like I know Algebra 2 that much better than someone else because like there really isn't that much to know about it, honestly. Like, yeah, you can have some some super in-depth knowledge, but that's not what it is. 
in this episode, we're kind of talking about the secret. Like, what is it about these people? And what it is, and this is something I read in a psychology book by this famous therapist who is still writing. And he said that different kinds of therapists or different kinds of therapies can be equally effective, but the actual difference is not the kind of therapy, but the therapist himself. And it's the quality of the relationship with the therapist that matters and not like the mode of the therapy. I don't, I don't remember different modes. It's Gestalt therapy or whatever therapy, but it's the same thing with tutoring. It's not like what method are you using? Oh, I'm using the whatever, the Japan method or like I hear all these things, but ultimately it's like, are you able to have a really good relationship with your student? And bar none, every single of a tutor that's like, that gets amazing results with almost everyone is somebody who's able to have very, very high quality relationships with their students. And that, that's kind of what you're talking about. Like treat the student like a person. How well does this work in your experience? Treating them like a person, you mean? Yeah. Oh, very well. Because here's one of the things I've seen like there are some tutors who do this really successfully. And what they do is they have a very broad base of what I call kid knowledge. And kid knowledge depends on the age of the kid. So for example, for high school boys, it's a lot of sports. It's a lot of video games. And it's a lot of like, what do teenage boys do in their spare time? If you know what Fortnite is, or you know at least something about whatever sport the kid plays, You've got an in because everybody loves to talk about what they're passionate about. And kids are genuinely passionate about their sports teams and their video games. Well, teenage boys, shall we say. One really good one for teenage girls is horseback riding. There are a lot of, of teenage girls who love horseback riding or summer camp. I know a lot of teenage girls who just love to talk about like their experiences with, you know, canoeing or small boat sailing or any of those classic summer camp activities. Same for boys, too. And then for younger kids, there's a lot of cartoons. And like, do you as an adult want to like have an encyclopedic knowledge of all the kids' cartoons that are on at a given time? Probably not. But if you can get a hint about what your specific student loves to watch, you can watch a couple episodes of that cartoon and instantly engage them by mentioning a character name, something that happened recently, and it, it really makes them light up like little Christmas trees because you're then someone that they can engage with. You're someone who cares about their world. And I think that's really important to remember is that these kids have their own little world and they don't have to pay bills or taxes or go to their job. I mean, they have to go to school, but you know, they, they, don't, they don't even have fully developed brains yet. <laughs> what they love is hanging out with their friends and the things that they're passionate about and knowing what those are and being able to speak about them with some authority, especially if you're into it yourself. So like some of my um, male tutors, female tutors too, of course, but some of my male tutors who like really love video games, they make great connections with like teenage boys because they can talk about Fortnite or they can talk about Elden Ring or Zelda or Mario, any of those things. And it depends on the kid what they actually like, of course, but that is a very effective thing to study to really connect well with the students. Now, in some ways, a parent might think, hey, isn't this like a waste of time? You're talking to my kid about Fortnite or, or Minecraft or whatever, instead of like drilling down this quadratic equation. What would you say to that? 
Wow. Okay. So I have heard that many times. And first of all, it's perfectly legitimate. I understand that the parent very well might be like, this is the only hour of the day when my kid doesn't sit in front of the computer or like doesn't sit in front of his video games or Fortnite or whatever. And I have talked to those parents about this sort of process, this relationship building. And I'm like, yeah, but the thing is, is once the tutor is really connected to them, to the student, then they can get into the subjects more easily. And so, for example, you might have a conversation for 20 minutes, a a really gifted tutor. And I've seen this before. Also, a really gifted tutor can have a conversation about Fortnite and imperceptibly shift it until it's talking about what's going on at hand or like what the subject matter is. So I find this incredibly useful for books or summer reading or, you know, texts that kids might not be that interested in. So for example, there's a student I know who's, um, he's reading Frankenstein right now. And he and I had a conversation about soccer. And over time, I sort of, I nudged that conversation towards like talking about, well, what makes a great soccer player a great soccer player? And that became somehow, I don't even remember how this happened, but it became how, what makes a human a human? Like Frankenstein's monster is made out of humans. Is he a human? And then all of a sudden we were actually talking about the literature. So it's a pretty difficult thing to navigate, which is why not a lot of tutors can do it. But that's why there are certain people who see really extraordinary results from their students because they're in it with them. Yeah. It's, I wonder if it's in some way harder than being a therapist. Cause like, you know, if you're an adult and you go to therapy, like you signed up for this and you're choosing this and you know, you know, people are going to be prying into your soul, but very often these kids don't want to be there. So not only do you have to like be effective and like know the material and be able to talk to them well, but you have to like get them to get over this resistance of like, okay, you're this random person in their house or online and like, and why are they doing this anyway? And you have to like gently go from, you don't know me to okay, I'm okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So you actually kind of like me to like, oh, I like you. And you're so excited about whatever the subject is. Like, is it math? Is it writing? Is it college essays to where the kid is then excited about it? And this is tough to do. I was personally terrible at many subjects. And this is because I wasn't naturally interested and I was very disagreeable person. And so if I didn't want to do it, I didn't do it. So uh, I'll give one example. I didn't have a tutor, but I just didn't get history. I didn't get why I have to learn history. And at sometime in my like 20s, I met this dude at, at, at a like some, I, I don't remember the context, but he was super into history. And he talked about history in such an excited way. And I was like, oh my God, history is actually really interesting. And like, I wish I had a tutor or a teacher that was like that. And, and the best tutors make you feel the way that whatever it is, they're so excited about it and they're so likable that you can't help but go along with it and develop your own interest and passion. I, I don't You won't necessarily become like, oh my God, I'm going to be a historian or oh my God, I'm going to become a mathematician. But the best tutors will fundamentally change how a child, you know, even like a teenage child, will think of themselves and about what their abilities and, and, and skills are. Yeah, and it's really tough to do. I've also found that it can be easier to get to crack that nut through something that the student is actually passionate about that's not involved with school in quite the same way. So for example, maybe it's horseback riding, maybe it's jazz band, maybe it's choir or theater, or maybe it's sports. 
because students don't feel the same way about those things as they do about math class. <laughs> yep. Because they choose to do those. They choose to be on a sports team. They choose to be in theater. And so one of the things I do when I'm matching tutors with clients is I very genuinely want to know what the student is interested in, because if I can pair them with a tutor who either shares that interest or knows a lot about it and can engage with the student on that, they have a much higher chance of getting along. And that's actually really important because then you're then you're not spending quite so it's not quite as laborious to build the relationship. You're just in there a little quicker. Yeah, and and that's that's like the key th- a thing here, and that's the relationship really really matters, and this matters in all aspects of life. And I find that the most highly functioning people understand this intuitively, and maybe they don't even think about it. Like we think about these things consciously, and we talk about them because because this is what we do. But most people are either good at building relationships or not good at it and don't think that's important. I used to be one of those people that didn't realize how important it was because I'm from Soviet Russia and we don't have relationships. That's a, that's a whole other story. And then I realized what a difference it makes when you focus on building relationship with your students, building relationship with other people. And it's hard to find people who are very gifted in some kind of academic subject like math or science that also understand the value of and how to build relationships. I spent a lot of time at, at MIT in, in my 20s and there are brilliant people, but man, like it's it's hard to connect with them. So like these, and then you go to like Harvard or Yale and you're like, oh, and here's no offense to MIT. I love MIT. But you suddenly see, wait a minute, here's brilliant people that also know how to connect with people. And it's an entirely different world. And that's why you will end up seeing a lot of tutors from like these Ivies. It's not because they went to the school and they have a degree. It's because they're the kind of person that could go to the school. Because they have those social skills and academic skills at one, and that is super rare. And they're willing to tutor their kids as opposed to like, you know, making a half a million dollars a year as a, as a corporate lawyer or something. Does this whole approach work for kids that aren't studying hard enough and are just like not interested? Oh, I would actually say it's the most important for those kids. In my experience, the kids who are disengaged are disengaged because they're literally not interested. They don't think they don't see the value in learning these things or they don't want to put the, sometimes they don't want to put the work in. That's true. But usually they don't want to put the work in because they're bored or because they don't see the value in the subject. And to be quite frank, I don't enjoy learning about things that I find boring either. (laughs) You know, like I I think everybody can relate to that where it's like, yeah, this is not, I don't want to read this book. It's boring. (laughs) But if it's required, then there, you, you have to get through it. And you know what I, you know what I tell some of these kids sometimes I'm like, listen, this is one of your first tests as an adult. Because as an adult, you are going to have to do a lot of things that you'd really rather not do. And they don't care about waiting in line at the DMV or inflation on groceries or paying taxes yet. They will one day, but they don't now. And so a lot of them don't have that perspective yet. They don't know what adulthood is like, where there are many things that you are required to do that you probably rather not do. And so what I tell them when they're doing that is like, here's the skill we're actually working on. We're not working on reading comprehension right now. We're working on how good are you at doing something that you'd really rather not do because this is a really important skill. And sometimes that reframe can really help them muster the work ethic to like get through it. And what usually happens in my experience is that the kids who muscle through it do find something of value in it even if they're not very naturally curious people. And some students really are not naturally curious. Some really don't want to know things like other students do. But there's always something of value. And if it's reading a book, for example, let's say it's Frankenstein, 
maybe the student really doesn't want to engage with that story. But surely there are questions that like most human beings would find interesting. Like, is it ethical to bring dead tissue back to life? What do you think? And then listening very closely to what that student has to say about that. And if the opinion's unformed saying, tell me more about that. Let's form your opinion right now. What do you think about this? Is it ethical or unethical and why? And then ask some deepening questions, some furthering questions, pushing against that a little bit. Okay, well, what if, you know, you lost your cat? Would it be ethical to revive a cat? What's the difference between a cat and a human? And then all of a sudden you've got a kid who's really engaged because there's a personal, meaningful connection to it. And then all of a sudden they're like, maybe I do like Frankenstein. It's a little alchemical, to be honest. It's uh, it's something that is a little bit mysterious to me, like like when the switch flips for different kids. But I have found that it's most likely to happen if the kid believes that it matters to them. If there's something inside of the student that's like, this is important and I should know it for this reason. Yeah. And unfortunately, most tutors, and I've worked with so many, they just don't have this skill. I mean, even if they're well-meaning, even if they're very good at whatever subject, like not a lot of humans have the skill of, of this like personal development leadership skill. I mean, really like we, we're talking about you know, using very colloquial language. Another way of looking at it is that like you're teaching these kids executive functioning skills. Like how do you do something that you don't necessarily enjoy because it has a long-term payoff? Like that's hard to do. That's hard to do for adults, man. I struggle with, with executive functioning skills. And it's not like, you know, I'm doing my taxes because I want to. Like, we have to do it, but you don't want to do it. So you have to, like, work with yourself. And, and the good tutors help kids along that process. I, I've had very similar conversation where it's like, I know you don't like math. I know you, you don't want to be a math person. You want to be a social worker. I hear you. But you have to get through this. And now the question is, are you going to suffer or are you going to find a way to make this fun? And you know what? Like you can find a way to make almost anything like that fun because it's not really that bad. Like it is interesting. There is a challenge and it's how you frame it. And these are tough skills. Now, another question for you that is how young of like an age range does this work on? Like I get it. Like when you're working with a 16 year old, that's more or less not really an adult, but like they can think you very well. How about a 10 year old? How about an eight year old? What do they understand? Oh my gosh. What a great question. I have a case study for this. I had a really wonderful eight-year-old. Actually, he was eight and a half. I was corrected when I said, you're eight, right? He's like, I'm eight and a half. I was like, excuse me, my mistake, my mistake, eight and a half. And he loved to draw and he hated math. And he did have some diagnosed uh, learning difficulties for sure. But one of the things that I found is that the abstract numbers were not fun for him. He did not like six plus eight. But you know what he loved? Cartoons, anime, Sonic the hedgehog and Trogdor. (laughs) He loved Trogdor. And you know what? That kid is going to be an amazing artist one day because he loves to draw. He's really good at it. And so I would make him draw a setting in which we would do our math. So he would put Trogdor on one side of the screen. We were on Zoom. He'd put Trogdor on one side and Sonic on the other side. I okayed this with the mom. Like I told her what I was doing and I gave him time to draw those things. And I was like, all right, Trogdor's got eight apples. And Sonic's got six apples. How many apples do we have together? And then he was more willing to figure it out. Actually, I think I made them rings, not apples, because rings are more Sonic relevant. And then I would say something like, okay, Trogdor stole six rings from Sonic. How many rings does Trogdor have? How many rings does Sonic have now? And all of a sudden, he could do it. 
It was like magic. It was super crazy. And I really was proud of him because he kind of got it. And then the next step was like, then we had to sort of figure out how to bridge the gap and make it so that he could see eight plus six on a test with no Trogdor and no Sonic <laughs> and still remember those skills. And that was tough. That was really tough. But at least for the initial engagement and the mom was like, he's never done that before. And I was like, well, I mean, it's not super surprising. He, he, he doesn't think that he can do these numbers. And then, and here's the big one for me, then he had some confidence that he could do it. So once he had done the skill a couple of times, I didn't give him the answer. Once I had given him some new problems and he could get it, he was like, I can do addition now. And I was like, yes, you can. And all of a sudden, the belief that he could do addition allowed him to try harder and differently because we would get to 14 plus four on a test and he'd say, this is really hard. And I said, yeah, but you can do addition, right? He said, yeah. And I said, so think about this like Trogdor and Sonic, like who's got who's got how many? And all of a sudden, the number 18 came out of nowhere. And and so honestly, I haven't worked with him in like a year or so. I hope he's doing great. God, I love that kid. He's so sweet. He's a sweetheart. And one day I'm, I'm probably going to buy his artwork in some gallery, I'm sure. But like, maybe it's not his destiny to be a mathematician. That's really okay. Maybe it's his destiny to be really happy, like drawing things. Maybe he'll work at an animation studio one day and make a ton of money. <laughs> like that is a different frame of success. And I think where Amer Americans actually in general, not just parents, not just tutors, not just students, but where Americans in general get in trouble is that we have this preconceived notion that success only looks like certain things. Even though I think artists are more acceptable now, like wanting to be an artist is more acceptable, there's still a gold standard of like doctor, lawyer, business person, but that doesn't make everybody happy. And so there's, to me, the skill of learning how to overcome an obstacle, learning how to see something you don't understand and find a way that you can get it, that you can understand it. And it doesn't have to be the way your teacher said to do it. As long as you get the right answer every time, I don't care what your algorithm looks like. I don't care how you add or subtract or multiply. As long as it makes sense to you and you can reproduce it, great. Take it and move on. And where I think a lot of these kids struggle is that they haven't been taught very many ways to do something. And the, the teacher, blessed be that teacher, might have a way that they're really good at teaching, but that kid just doesn't quite get it. It's not the kid's fault. It's not the teacher's fault. They just need a different way. And so one thing that a tutor can really do to help is show them different ways until they find out what the kid is good at or the kid understands. And that's something that's tough to get in a classroom environment when the poor teacher has 30 kids an hour to take care of. I was actually just about to ask that. So why is it that like a really gifted tutor can do this? And like, it seems, you know, we mentioned this before, like, oh, isn't that obvious that of course the child will learn better if you have a you know connection, a good relationship. But as a tutor, you only see this kid like once a week for an hour, whereas a teacher will spend every day. And if it's younger, they'll spend several hours every day. So why is the tutor able to do this and the teacher is not able to do this? I think it has everything to do with one-on-one -on -one attention. I think that it cannot be underestimated how valuable one-on-one -on -one attention is. Because when you have a person who is an expert at whatever subject it is, who has really, really sharp, excellent skills, both with their subject and with people... And they're able to engage with that kid and they can talk to them about Fortnite and then they can talk to them about literature or math or whatever and really engage the student that way. That's the, 
it's it's about presence. It's about being there, being fully there. And God bless the classroom teachers of the world. I couldn't do it. It's it's too hard. I've tried. It's it is not for me. They have so much to manage. They have so much to do. 30 kids in a classroom. That's so many kids to look out for. Oh, my gosh. But when a kid has someone that they admire or respect, which, by the way, like tons of street cred for like kids will give you street cred for liking things that they like or for speaking the way that they speak. You know, there is slang that kids use that adults don't use. And if you can use it properly, that it sounds funny, but it's true. They like actually think that you are closer to them if you can speak the way that they do. And so it's that individual attention and that connection, that presence, that really being with that student that is impossible to fake. You can't fake it. And that's why those tutors cost so much because it's a really rare skill and because they can really see some amazing differences in those kids. Yeah, what, what happens with tutors like that is like as soon as, you know, like everyone else, they don't know they have the skill and they don't realize how much it's valued. But as soon as people start working with them, they're like, oh my God. And like most parents have hired many tutors and they'll say like, wait a minute, this person, oh my God, like how my child reacts to this person is completely different than everyone else in their life. And then they'll tell their friends. And what ends up happening with these tutors is it's not that like they think, well, I deserve $500 an hour because I am special, right? right? It's just that when there's enough people that want your time and attention and you have a limited amount, you have like maybe 20 students a week, you end up raising your price. So that's really like the magic of like why some tutors are so expensive. They're not, I mean, some, some I think skate by on like, oh, hey, I have, I have these credentials. But the ones that like really, really make a difference, there's nothing they can do. Like they can't clone themselves. It's not a scalable skill. Like we can't find an unlimited number of these people. And so the price has to go up. I think that's the fundamental secret of these super high-end tutors. Yeah. And there's this, this one other thing that I want to mention that's a, something from therapy, which is, which is that the healing is in the relationship. The healing is in the presence. The healing is being with someone over time who can see you and see your growth, teach you some things, and really give you a gift of helping you f- learn more about yourself. That's the big thing, learning more about yourself. It's not just about math or reading. It's about getting to know yourself better. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. If you have any questions about what we talked about today, we would love to hear them. There's an email address in the show notes. If there's anything you'd like for us to discuss on the podcast, please send those ideas to us as well, because we want to provide information that you'll find useful. That's why we do this. And it's really important to us. Also, if you could do all the other things that podcasts ask you to do, leave reviews, tell your friends, that would be very much appreciated because then we can get this information to as many people as possible. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time.